Welcome to True Transistor Radio. Hello, Truth Transistors. Welcome to another podcast, my second episode of Truth Transistor Radio here on Spotify. And in this episode, we're going to start with creation versus evolution. And I think that uh, as we, as I talked about everything leading up to uh, where I was heading um, or what led me to seeking the truth and what led me to what I believe today uh, is was a background and everything that I say on this podcast is all motivated by truth. I'm not asking for any money. Uh, this is not, not what this is about. Um, I don't want to make any episodes uh, to be uh, influenced or uh, I don't want the my motivation to be to to make money ever you know um, hopefully hopefully these pot these episodes will be interesting you know so I want to try to present it the best that I can but I think that truth is number one and this does not mean that my views are necessarily correct I'm 100% sure that I'm not right about everything. And I decided that the first place to start in terms of trying to figure out what the truth is, to, is to figure out whether or not the Bible is itself is true and based on truth. And I would challenge anyone that if you are questioning things, to say a prayer to the creator of the universe and say, show me who you are, Show me the truth, and uh, I believe he will. And also to check your heart and see if there's anything that is, I guess you could say, purposefully ignorant to certain things because you don't want to believe them. Just be totally open to where the truth leads you, not what other people tell you, not what I tell you, not what the media tells you. Not what your teachers tell you, not what your parents tell you, but what is the truth? What is, where is it leading? You know, where um, the true evidence. And find people that argue both sides of an argument. A good debate is always, I think, educational to listen to as well on any topic. But if you believe in a specific religious book, the Quran, uh, whatever. Hindus read, whatever uh, any religion that you follow believes. Start with their claims of history, their claims of creation, and test it. Test it and see if it works scientifically. Test and see if their historical claims can be proven in history, in archaeology, in, in archaeological 
studies. Now, sometimes there isn't evidence that it exists, but there's not evidence that it didn't happen, uh, or there's not a contradiction in history. Uh, but um, I decided to do that with the Bible. And so I've come to the conclusion, uh, and over many years of researching, or at least seeing arguments for, uh, or evidence for, biblical claims and events, that it is based on true history. And so that's what we're going to be going through, and we're starting with creation versus evolution in this episode. I'm finished, guys. I'm finished. Now, this is all about making myself credible in your eyes again, and I'm going to do that by admitting that evolution is a lie! Mac. Yes, please do, Mac. Now, as you can see, this is the evolution meter, and I've put God, the creator of everything, on the right side, and evolution on the left. I've went ahead and put you guys all on the fence, because, of course, you're going to well, hear out of my actually, actually no. Yeah, Just start where I would start. No matter, I'm righteous. I'm not going to stand here, present some egghead scientific argument based on fact. I'm just a regular dude. I like to drink beer, you know? I love my family. Rock, flag, and eagle, right, Charlie? He's got a point. No, he doesn't. What? See, Charlie? These liberals are trying to assassinate my character. I can't change their mind. I won't change my mind, because I don't have to. Because I'm an American. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. Mac, look, you're wasting our time. You're not going to get us to not believe in evolution. And why is that? Because the smartest scientists in the entire world all agree that it's real. I'm glad you brought that up. Because, Mr. Reynolds, science is a liar sometimes. Oh, boy. This is Aristotle, thought to be the smartest man on the planet. He believed that the Earth was the center of the universe, and everybody believed him because he was so smart. Until another smartest guy came around, Galileo, and he disproved that theory, making Aristotle and everybody else on Earth look like a... Of course, Galileo then thought comets were an optical illusion, and there's no way that the moon could cause the ocean's tides. Everybody believed that because he was so smart. He was also wrong, making him and everyone else on Earth look like a again. And then, best of all, Sir Isaac Newton gets born and blows everybody's nips off with his big brains. Of course, he also thought he could turn metal into gold and died eating mercury, making him yet another stupid. Are you seeing a pattern? No. <laughs> Mr. Reynolds, these were all the smartest scientists on the planet. Only problem is, they kept being wrong. Sometimes. Oh, this is insane, you fool. I'm a fool because I have more faith in the saints that wrote the Bible? Yeah, because you just read the words of a bunch of guys that you never met, and you just take it on faith that everything they wrote was true. Mm. And what makes you think what your scientists are writing is any more truer than my saints? Because there are volumes of proven data, numbers, you know, figures. Th th there are fossil records. Oh, fossil records. Ah! I didn't even think about the fossil records. I guess I'll concede. Oh, wait, well, uh, one more thing before I do, Mr. Reynolds. Have you seen these fossil records? Have I seen... 
Have you poured through the data yourself? The numbers? The figures? Well, no. I mean, no. Oh, interesting. So let me get this straight, Mr. Reynolds. You get your information from a book written by men you've never met. And you take their words as truth based on a willingness to believe, a desire to accept, a leap of... Oof, dare I say it? <laughs> Faith? Come on, look, I mean, I don't even know how I'm supposed to respond to that, like... Oh, come on. That is a, that's a false equivalency. Just answer the question, Mr. Reynolds. Sure, yeah, okay. I rest my case. Well, that got me. Yeah, uh, Frank, do you want me to... Put me yeah, all right. What? Well, we're going on the fence. I mean, that's a shadow of a doubt. You actually don't believe in evolution anymore? I don't know. He created a reasonable doubt. He makes you sound like a stupid, uh, science... Oh, my God. That was a clip from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the TV show. <laughs> and, uh, very funny. So, um, what we have to do first is talk about what I think is the most obvious thing, and that is whether or not there is a creator. And to me, the complexity of things that exist tells me that there has to be a creator. When you look at uh, a molecule, a uh, DNA molecule is so complex. There's so much information there, and it's so organized that to me it doesn't make sense that everything would just come about naturally with no intelligence behind it. I just don't, uh, I can't buy that. Now agnosticism I can understand when you aren't sure, you know, who it is, you know, if there's a creator and if, you know, who it is and all that stuff and you're just kind of not sure. I, I can understand that, but atheism to me is just doesn't, you know, it's, it really is far-fetched. So the, the idea of intelligence, des, intelligent design doesn't say who the creator is. So as I said before, I'm going to test the Bible and what it claims uh, is true about the creation. So in Genesis chapter 1, you can read through it yourself. I'm just going to summarize. It says, On the first day, God created light and darkness and divided the light from the darkness. The second day, uh, God made a, a firmament that divided the, the, the waters from the waters. Uh, he called the firmament heaven. Uh, that's, that, that was the second day. And, and both times it says evening and morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day, which tells me these are... Uh, days as we know them, and not some long period of time. The third day, it says, um, he, the earth brought forth grass and seed and fruit uh, and all of its kind and trees. And uh, this, so this was on the third day. On the fourth day, let there be lights in the firmament. So the sun, moon, and stars, which it just calls them lights in the heavens, these are to be signs and seasons for the days and years. So this was on the, uh, the fourth day. And then on the fifth day, uh, God created creatures in the seas as well as flying birds of their kinds. Uh, 
of you know flying animals. Um, you know when we the way that we've divided up things might be different. So like bats might be included in this, even though they're technically mammals. So and and whales are also mammals, but they're considered sea creatures. So it's not necessarily divided up the same way we divide up, you know, categorize animals. Uh, the sixth day were land animals, as well as man created in his own image. And uh, in each case, it says there was evening, there was morning, etc. And then God rested on the seventh day. So in six days, according to Genesis, God created everything that exists. Not only that... But you can actually look uh, and get an estimation of how long ago this was. First of all, in Genesis chapter 5, you can easily calculate the time from the creation of Adam, the first man, to the great flood. Uh, just I'll read a couple of these for you. Uh, but it says... Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. Uh, his son was Seth, uh, 130. And then Seth, it says, lived 105 years and begot Enos in, in verse 6. And then uh, Enos lived 90 years and begot Canaan, etc. And I think the years from Adam to the flood is 1,656 years, I believe if my memory is correct. And you can kind of uh, calculate pretty easily to Joseph. Uh, you know, there in chapter 5, it's all together. It's really easy to do. Uh, but after that, they're kind of spread out, and it tells you how old somebody was when such and such happened and all this stuff. And I believe to, to Joseph, it was another maybe 400 years um, there's actually a lot of Bible-based uh, timelines you can find online, but you can do the study yourself in the Bible. But Joseph, uh, we estimate, you know, is estimated to be, uh, there's a documentary called Patterns of Evidence. I'll get more in that in a future episode that kind of tells you what part of Egyptian history Joseph was. So most biblical theologians would suggest that the Bible says the earth was created approximately 6,024 years ago, or, you know, a little over 6,000 years, less than 7,000. And this is where we run into a problem in, with the science textbooks. Well, all of it, none of it lines up. You know, you look at the science textbooks and they say over billions of years, you know, you started with nothing. There was a great big bang. Uh, eventually you had, so you had matter and then you had chemical uh, evolution and then you had uh, living, or the first living organisms and then everything evolved from that and it's getting better and better over time uh, so that you get better and better kinds of creatures and, and until you have humans and what is next, you know, this is what is taught in, and again, I'm summarizing that. And they say that that, that the Big Bang was billions of years ago. The earth 
came about billions of years ago, and man, um, you know, the dinosaurs were extinct millions of years before mankind was here. And this does not line up at all with what the Bible says, which suggests that everything was created approximately 6,000-something years ago and in only six days. So, so there's a huge difference. You cannot harmonize the Bible and evolution. Now, some people have attempted to lessen the, the difference, uh, some Christians, where they want to be in favor with the scientific community, but also consider themselves Christians. Like some would say after verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, period, and then the earth was formless and void. They would suggest that there was a previously destroyed earth that we still have remnants and fossils from. So maybe dinosaurs were in this previous creation, uh, you know, theologically, I'm not too, I'm not necessarily against that. I just don't know that it's necessary and the evidence doesn't necessarily line up with that. There's a really good documentary on YouTube called Dinosaurs Lived with Humans. And the the name of the user is Mihai Ursu. I don't know if that's the original poster or not, but that's the one that I have on my playlist on my YouTube channel of the same name, True Transistor Radio. Uh, but I recommend watching that documentary. And there's other, there's other uh, good documentaries that talk about, uh, or creationists that talk about dinosaurs as well. But you can find a lot of evidence of in, in uh, ancient pottery and art of painting these dinosaur creatures and humans hunting them. Uh, in writings, they talk about, they call them dragons, and the way that they're described are, you know, very much so like dinosaurs. Uh, the word dinosaur didn't, wasn't invented until the 1800s. Um, also, there's been a creature spotted in Africa that the, uh, the Africans claim to have seen. I can't remember which uh, nation or, or part of Africa, but, um, and the way they've described it is like, exactly like a certain dinosaur, you know, uh, some have suge suggested that Loch Ness Monster, all the sightings of that might be a remnant of a dinosaur that lives in the sea, and so these arguments suggest that dinosaurs have always lived with humans, and there's still some that exist today, they're just almost extinct. You can also find secular scientists talking about soft tissue found in dinosaur fossils. And they are kind of baffled about how it can last millions of years. Well, uh, I think the evidence shows that they didn't last that long and that perhaps these things can fossilize a lot quicker than scientists might tell you. Nevertheless, many Christians or Bible believers try and harmonize by saying there's a gap between Genesis 1-1 and the rest of the creation. Other people try to say there might be a gap between each day. There's some translations that say a first day, a second day. Another one says one day, two days. Uh, so I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I don't know what the, you know, the best 
translation is, but I, you know, I've heard that that most theologians would acknowledge that it it's talking about consecutive days, or they would they would say that that was the understanding of the passage. But again, with with the gaps between the days, I'm open to that theologically. I just don't think it's necessary. The other one uh, is what's called, I guess, the day-age theory, that each day represents an age. And when, when you have, there was evening, there was morning the first day, there was evening, there was morning the second day. Those, that to me tells me this is meant to be thought of as regular days. So I can't buy that, the day-age theory. Uh, another view is that before the sun, moon, and stars were created that, that set the days and times, the days before that were, you know, time was different or something of that nature. However, if the first creatures, living creatures, were created after that, then it really doesn't make a difference. So that by day four, when you have the this sun, moon, and stars were created. Um, all the living creatures were created in days five and six. So, you know, um, any fossils of animals would still be in day five or six or, or humans. So um, to me, that argument doesn't, doesn't matter uh, if before sun and moon and stars, the days were different. Another view is that Genesis was never meant to be taken literally. It's all just a bunch of allegories. And there are plenty of allegories in the Bible, but, but there's 66 books in the Bible. Some of them are meant to be read poetically, prophetically, parables and things of nature. You know, um, but Genesis is written in such a way that makes you believe it's a historical book. When you've got genealogies, when you've got these events that occur and it tells you who was Pharaoh at the time and, 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 and all of these things. And to me, unless it clarifies that this is meant to be an allegory, then I, I have to take it as it, it's meant to be taken as history. And so uh, there's people that are theistic evolutionists which if, you know, that's a fine theory if you're not, if you don't believe in the Bible. But once you believe in the Bible, I, I really cannot see how you fit evolution in with the Bible. Even if you don't take the time frame literally, the order of it is wrong. Like you had whales created on day uh, five, whereas, um, you know, before land creatures, but in evolution, whales evolved from land animals. You have the sun, moon, and stars created in day four after the earth was created, whereas in evolution, I believe the sun, moon, and stars were there before the earth. Uh, you had man created from the dust of the ground, whereas in evolution, man evolved from an ape-like ancestor. So it really doesn't match. But to me, the most clear reading of the passage is that approximately 6,000 years ago, God created everything in six days. And so when you look at evolution and the teachings of evolution, there is absolutely no way in my mind that you could harmonize these two things. And so now the question is, which one is true if either of them are? 
Now, most people think that this is a debate between science and religion. They would say evolution is science and that the Bible is religion, which sounds logical, I guess. But I'm convinced that this is not science versus religion, but this is a religious-based scientific theory versus a religious-based scientific theory. That's right. And uh, I want to get into what the religion is that evolution is based on. Uh, you know, in, um, in Genesis chapter 3, I believe, uh, Satan is tempting Eve and saying that if she eats the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, she can be as gods or they can be as gods, um, knowing the difference between right and wrong. And this is actually the foundation of an ancient uh, secret mystery religion known as Gnosticism, that based on this idea that man can become gods. They can work their way up, be initiated up the ladder of these secret societies, and become a god. And the, the elite that run this world now, the worldly system that we live in, believe this Luciferian doctrine. And I'm convinced that evolution is based upon that idea. And then they gave scientific theories to back it up. And now that's what is taught in the textbooks in, in every school and, and college. Now, why is it that scientists seem to all side with evolution? Well, there's a documentary called Expelled, No, Think, no Intelligence Allowed, uh, that was made by Ben Stein. And I would, I think you can download it on YouTube, maybe one of the other like Netflix or something will have it too. But I really recommend it. There's a lot of scientists, qualified scientists, that do not believe evolution is scientifically proven and that there's a lot of actually there's actually scientific uh, issues and problems with evolution and so if you're interested i would encourage you to go look that documentary up and a lot of the people that say that aren't even christians they're not even religious some of them are agnostic but they are in you know intelligent people they're scientists uh, qualified people that uh, suggest that evolution is not, there's a lot, you know, not proven scientifically. And a lot of the people that have done that have gotten fired. They've lost their, their money, their finances that they were given, and they have a hard time getting another job related to this field. And so there's a big control concerning the information that you get in your science textbooks. Kent Hovind taught, uh, has a video called that that is called "The Lies in the Textbooks." I believe this is part of his creation uh, seminar series, and uh, I would look that up too. He's one of my favorites. He uh, not only talks about uh, you know, creation, but he also gets deep into the conspiracy that that tells you why evolution is the only thing that's allowed to be taught in the textbooks as far as where everything came from.
But here's a, just a small clip of Kent Hovind talking about this philosophy that, or religion that evolution is based on. One of my jobs as a Christian is to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that's in us. I think in the last few hundred years, the Christians have not done a good job of answering this evolution theory, and we've allowed this philosophy of evolution, actually it's a religion, we've allowed this religion to take over our school system, our legal system, our whole thinking process now is based on a philosophy which has zero scientific evidence. None. People believe in it, I understand, but that doesn't make it science. Some people look at the world and say, you know, it's amazing, a Big Bang made this from nothing. That's the humanist worldview based on the evolution theory. Other people look at the world and say, you know, there's incredible design. There must be a designer. That's the creationist worldview based on creation. And those two worldviews are at war with each other. I mean, somebody is wrong. And I enjoy showing them who they are. So you can find Ken Hovind's creation seminars, and, and, and uh, I would encourage you to go through those. He talks, he gives scientific evidence for a young earth creation, or the biblical perspective. Uh, he gives, uh, he points out lies in the textbooks, or things that have been proven wrong, that continue to be put in science textbooks. You know, he, uh, he gets into the conspiracy that's behind why uh, that's the controlled information that we get in science textbooks. So really good stuff that he gets into. And he's not the only one. There's many good creation uh, ministries out there. Ken Ham is one of the most popular. And uh, there's, uh, I have these books here in front of me. These are people that I know. Uh, a book called Creation Evolution and Modern Science, written by Ray Boland. And uh, I've, I used to, in, when I was in college group, I hung out with his, his uh, sons that are close to my age. Let me read the beginning of chapter one, just to give you a, a preview uh, of this book. The growing credibility crisis in Darwinian theory is becoming more apparent all the time. The work of creationists and other non-Darwinians is growing and finding an increasingly receptive ear. In this discussion, I want to elaborate on what I believe are the five critical areas where Darwinianism and evolutionary theory in general are failing. They are, one, the insubstantial basis for the Darwinian mechanism of evolution, two, the total failure of origin of life studies to produce a workable model, Three, the inability of evolutionary mechanisms to explain the origin of complex adaptations. Four, the bankruptcy of the blind watchmaker hypothesis. And five, the biological evidence that the rule in nature is morphological stability over time, not constant change. Much of the reason for the theory of evolution's Privileged status has been the confusion over what people mean when they use the word evolution. It is a slippery term. If evolution simply means change over time, there is no controversy. Peppered moths, Hawaiian drosophila fruit flies, and even Galapagos finches are clear examples of change over time. If you say that this form of evolution is a fact, well, so be it. But many scientists extrapolate beyond this because change over time is a fact, the argument goes, 
then it must also be a fact that moths, fruit flies, and finches all evolved from a remote common ancestor. The real question, therefore, is where do moths, flies, and finches come from in the first place? Common examples of natural selection acting on present genetic variation do not tell us how we have come to have horses, wasps, woodpeckers, and the enormous variety of living animals. Evolutionists will tell you that this is where mutations enter the picture, but mutations do not improve the scenario either. And speaking of all the mutation work done with bacteria over several decades, the great French zoologist and evolutionist Pierre-Paul Grasset said, what is the use of their unceasing mutations if they do not change? In some, the mutations of bacteria and viruses are merely hereditary fluctuations around a median position, a swing to the right, a swing to the left, but no final evolutionary effect. When I speak of evolution or Darwinism, it is the origin of new biological forms, new adaptive structures, morphological and biochemical novelties that I ref am referring to. This is precisely what has not been explained by science. So again, if you want to, if you're interested in reading or finding this book, it's called Creation, Evolution, and Modern Science, written by Ray Bolin, B-O-H-L-I-N. Another book here by an author that I've met in person, it is called The Evolution of a Creationist by Job Martin. Job is spelled J-O-B-E. And so let me go ahead and read the beginning of chapter one of this book. The Evolution of a Creationist. Frustration was not an adequate word to describe my feelings. Which was true, evolution and billions of years or creation in six 24-hour days? Two of my students at Baylor College of Dentistry had challenged me to investigate the possibility that the God of the Bible had created everything in six 24-hour days, as described in the first chapter of Genesis. My first reaction was, only an ignorant fool would believe in those ancient myths of the book of, the, of Genesis. So Job Martin was not a Christian when he set about to research this stuff. I was an evolutionist. My years as a bio, biology major at Bucknell University and a dental major at the University of Pittsburgh had convinced me that we are here because of evolutionary processes. All are very logical and explainable through the scientific method. This was A.D. 1971. We were living in the days of modern high-tech science, which had claimed proof of evolution to be true. And yet, these two dental students were brilliant young men. They held advanced degrees in the sciences. Surely, there must be a simple way to prove that their six-day view of creation was wrong. One of the questions those two dental students asked me was this. Dr. Martin, have you ever heard of the concept of God creating things with the appearance of age? At that point in my pilgrimage, I certainly had not, but it sparked a desire to learn more, and thus the frustration began. The seed of my frustration was planted in September of 1966. I was attending 
USAF basic medical training at Wichita Falls, Texas. It was the height of the Vietnam War. I'd been given orders to report at an Andrews Air Force Base in Washington, D.C. upon completion of basic training. I was to be one of five dentists to serve the pilots and crews of President Johnson's presidential fleet, the 89th Military Airlift Wing. The seed was a brief prayer. As I sat at the officers club that September night, I decided to clear things up with the God of the Bible. If he was really there, if he could part the Red Sea, turn water into wine, and raise the dead, he could answer a simple prayer. This was my prayer. God, if you are up there, you have two choices. Either you can show me the girl I'm going to marry, or you will see the wildest Air Force officer you have ever seen. I instantly thought, whew, nobody heard that prayer. I'm going out and live it up. Except God did hear that prayer. I met my wife-to-be that very day. We had a date the next night, and I told Jenna D. that I was going to marry her on that first date. I knew I would. The God of the Bible had answered my specific prayer on the day that I uttered it to him. And I could go on and on as well. But he said a similar prayer that I said, although it wasn't to find a wife, but, you know, he challenged God by saying, yeah, if you're real, you'll show me this. And God did. So I think that's that's fascinating. So I would encourage you to find that book as well and read it. And there's many, many others. Uh, Ken Ham has a ministry that's probably the most popular Living Waters is a ministry where they actually go out on the street and talk to people. Uh, just another very good one. And uh, so I could go on and on. The final thing I want to talk about, or at least we can hear William Cooper talk about uh, the, the mystery religion and what they believe, and what I believe is the basis of evolution. But before we do that, Let's hear another song from my brother and the band name Hendrick. When storms form, I'll be there. And when clouds come, I'll be there. Thank you. 
so once again, that is Hendrick. If you like that song, or uh, I would look them up on iTunes. That song is on there. It's on an album called You Gun Drop. You Done Grant. <laughs> you Gone Dra- Drown. The Summer Homes EP. It's actually an EP with like five or six songs on it. Uh, really good album. Uh, a group of songs on there. So check them out. If you like it. Support my brother's music. Please. It would mean so much to me. Can we stop this cruel game and allow the boy to keep one shred of dignity? Please support my brother's music. Please. <laughs> uh, I, I thought of that immediately when I was uh, asking people to support my brother's music. Uh, that's from that clip uh, was from SNL called The Hurley Boy. So <laughs> anyway, wanted to give credit to that. So, finally, the last thing I want to talk about here, or at least play a clip of William Cooper, is the origins of evolution, which I believe is based on a Luciferian philosophy. And this is believed by those that are in charge. We begin the origin, the history, the dogma, and the identity of the ancient mystery religions which are now known as the mystery schools the order of the quest freemasonry the ancient order of the rose and cross the knights templar the sovereign and military order of the knights of malta the order of saint john of jerusalem the priory de sion the thule society are sometimes known as the thule society the Order, the Skull and Bones, the Russell Trust, the Jason Society, the Scroll and Key, the Illuminati, and I could go on and on and on and on. But the most important thing to realize is that they all have been collectively known throughout the ages as the Mystery Schools, the Illuminati, which literally means Illumined Ones, international socialism communism they are all one and the same as you will come to know and you will understand perfectly how they've been able to infiltrate all of our society what you hear tonight does not necessarily reflect my views our beliefs our religion we have to begin in the beginning with every story and every history and we have to begin at the beginning of mankind and the beginning is the beginning according to the mystery religion and they believe wholeheartedly that man is a product of evolution not of an extraterrestrial race and not of the creation of some benevolent God in the religion of the mystery schools they believe that man was held prisoner in the Garden of Eden by an unjust and vindictive God and that man was not told by this unjust and vindictive God that he could have the same powers. And man was set free from the bonds of ignorance by Lucifer through his agent Satan, and many believe that the two are the same, and that's okay because maybe they are, and that through the gift of intellect, man himself will become God. But I know that many have been misled along this path and are worshiping the fallen angel 
that we know as Lucifer. But Lucifer rebelled against God, according to the Bible, and was expelled from heaven and flung to the earth to be the master of the material world, the master of the earth. But I have been told by those who have been initiated in the mystery schools that Christ and Lucifer are one and the same being. However, I cannot bring myself to believe that. What you believe, of course, is your own business and is not my intention to make you believe anything, but rather to impart to you what I have learned over many, many years of study into the secrets of those who worship the ancient mystery religions in secret for thousands of years. They have ruled from the shadows, and they call themselves the guardians of the secrets of the ages. Man's newfound intellect set him upon a quest that according to those who say that they know has never ended even unto this day. And the modern day equivalent of this ancient mystery religion calls itself the order of the quest. And you will see it reflected in many of their outward exoteric branches where they disseminate information to the public or manipulate the public or deceive the public as the profane to them are nothing more than cattle to be herded and occasionally to be led to the slaughter. The new man will go into the future and the rest of us will perish. We will not be allowed into the future. If we are, it will be as slave labor until we are no longer useful and then we will simply be exterminated. The message to the vast army of initiates in the mystery school was, we are on the threshold of the new age, and into this new age will march only one man. It is the new man. It is the illumined man. It is the man that is able to make the evolutionary jump. Once again, that was William Cooper. He had a radio program called The Hour of the Time in the 90s. And uh, I believe you can find that in a Google search. You can find all his radio programs. I don't necessarily believe in everything in his radio programs. I don't know if he was a, a Christian. Um, he was shot by authorities at his own house in 2001. Uh, but I think his Mystery Babylon series was right on the money. And why I think that's important is I, I wanted to get to the root of why evolution is the prominent view and, and, and push so much in our science textbooks, even though there is no science, not a lot of science to back it up, and even qualified scientists have said so, and that this, the creation science has been uh, sort of made fun of and mocked in science, and uh, you know, in, in the uh, expelled, no intelligence allowed, we talked about how people have gotten fired just for questioning evolution or even the possibility of intelligent design. And um, so most people are not even willing to consider the possibility of a conspiracy. But I'm truly convinced there is one, and that's why I played this clip. And... Uh, the entire series, the Mystery Babylon series, is on YouTube, but, you know, the search engine is becoming more and more difficult to find what you're looking for, I've noticed. 
So I, I may leave a link um, in this description for this, this episode uh, for the various things that I've played on here and, and have, have uh, mentioned to, uh, as, to listen to or to find. But to sum up this Luciferian philosophy, uh, originated in, in the lie of the serpent that man can become as gods, if you look back throughout history, the first king mentioned in the Bible is Nimrod, and many kings throughout history have claimed to be God or, or have demanded that they be worshipped as a god. And you probably don't need the Bible to substantiate that throughout, you know, to find Roman emperors and uh, Egyptian pharaohs and, and, and throughout history. In religions, you've had leaders that claim to be equal to God or somewhere between man and God, or they've progressed. Um, and mo every false religion is based on an idea that you can reach God or become a God through your own works or your own merit. You know, in, in the serpent said that you can become God's through intellect and knowledge. And the intellect and knowledge is, is the philosophy or the God of the mystery schools. Uh, they consider, you know, Lucifer, the, which means light. Thus, they are known as the illumined ones, which is where they get the term Illuminati. You know, so, so you have gurus, for example, stating that uh, they are somehow progressed beyond or, or been enlightened um, at the very top of the mystery schools, the secret societies, they have these higher-ups that basically claim to be gods over the masses, which they consider us to be sheep. And if you think about evolution and you think about a lot of the movies that have come out, like X-Men and various superhero kind of movies, you get these, you know, these ideas of, you know, of evolving to the next state. So 2001 A Space Odyssey has that idea, if you've seen that, and you know how it ends. Uh, Lucy is another movie that has that idea. X-Men, as I mentioned before, and some of the superhero movies also have this idea of evolution in them. The idea of people forming new, new skills through evolution, you know. And so this whole idea, this whole premise of evolution that there's something more that we can become is all based on the same philosophy. Even within Christianity, this, has, this philosophy has sort of become a heresy that has uh, come into the churches. When you think of um, the Catholic Church and they pray to these saints, these dead uh, righteous people in the Bible and and, uh, and that if you are good enough somehow that you can become a saint but they also have the Pope which is the Vicar of Christ and he's basically powerful enough to like what he says goes like he, his word goes above what the Bible says and then in some modern even Protestant churches there's this 
idea that we can become or that we are little Christs or little gods. So they've twisted scripture to uh, suggest that we can actually become as Christ. Uh, in the Mormon philosophy and Jehovah's Witness philosophy, the same idea is there as well. So none of this is new, but this is the lie of the devil, this whole idea, and it's what evolution is based on. And I'm not suggesting that it's wrong to have a scientific theory based on this idea. I mean, go for it. But as we have talked about, and I've given you resources to go look at, and they will show you uh, scientific problems with evolution and some lies that are put in textbooks that have been proven wrong that, uh, that are continually put in these science te textbooks as evidence for evolution. So um, Kent Hovind has a whole video on lies in the textbooks. So I would encourage you to find that as well. So this is the end of my creation versus evolution episode. I am, you know, it's hard to, in one hour, <laughs> to, to prove uh, one thing over, over the other, but hopefully it'll at least make you think, and maybe uh, I would encourage you to look these things up and, and just think about it, just, you know, consider it. I'm not telling you what to believe, but I would consider it, and again, pray to the Creator to reveal Himself to you. In the next episode, I'm going to be talking about the next major event in the Bible, which is the flood. And there's a lot of interesting things. The Bible claims there was a global flood, and of course, science rejects that notion. So, thank you all very much, and have a wonderful day.